Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. I'm Sean Ramos Firm. It's Today Explained. And today's show is a little different from the 600-something that came before it because today, for the first time, I interviewed a journalist who couldn't tell me where he was when we spoke. And he couldn't tell me because it wasn't safe. I, I decided that uh, this specific moment, I can do much more if I will be free. I would be definitely in jail if I would stay. So now I, I help uh, my colleagues, journalists, uh, being in the secure place. And I don't reveal where I am, it doesn't matter. The most important that um, uh, me, my friends, and my team, we all work for giving people true information. This is Frnak Vyachorka. He's a journalist from Belarus where there was an election on Sunday. The country's longtime leader, Alexander Lukashenko, claims to have won his sixth term in a landslide, but people are protesting in the streets saying the whole thing was rigged. His opponent has now fled the country, and some think this could be the beginning of the end of a guy who's been called Europe's last dictator. Everything began actually in 1994 when uh, President Lukashenko became the president. And uh, 26 years after, uh, people realized they don't want him anymore. Uh, of course, uh, there were many protests, but this one is very unique because the level of support for Lukashenko is extremely low. And uh, the major factor of, of this uh, change is COVID. And Lukashenko, from the very beginning, he said that COVID is hoax, COVID is fake, it doesn't exist. There is no virus here, he said. Do you see them flying around? Refusing to cancel large events. And he didn't take any serious steps to prevent uh, disease. Convincing people that you have to drink vodka, you have to ride tractor. And these guys who died, they died because they are fat, they are old. So this uh, this outraged many people because their relatives, their families were in hospitals. And then president uh, showed them that he doesn't care. And uh, people then organized themselves. They say, okay, if you don't care, then we will help our doctors and we will help ourselves. How do people help themselves defeat COVID in Belarus? Uh, they began collecting money on different online platforms. Money to buy masks, uh, protective uh, gears, some uh, stuff to help hospitals. And that was like the something very new for Belarusians. They are always relying on the government, on the leader, on someone who must help, who must support, who must solve all the problems. They need a savior. And uh, Lukashenko was the savior for many years. He was always saying, I will help you. I'm in charge of this. And that was the part of the social contract. 
but not anymore. Lukashenko just isolated himself, people took responsibility, and people created the infrastructure for the civil society. And those protests that are happening right now, this is continuation of this people's self-organization during COVID crisis. The same people who were gathering money for doctors, now gathering money for political prisoners, for those wounded, injured, for families of killed ones. And uh, it's, it's spectacular. So when people decide to take sort of this control of COVID into their own hands, who do they begin to support as opposed to Lukashenko? I think it was very leaderless from the very beginning. But when electoral campaign was announced, YouTuber applied. Former banker, the CEO of Belgazprom Bank, Viktor Babarika, also applied for presidency. Valery Tsapkala, former peer and uh, Lukashenko's mate, applied for presidency. What happens to all of them? They run. Lukashenko was very uh, outraged with this because no one can challenge him. And now these guys, all of them are in prison or like Valery Tsapkala is on immigration. But when YouTuber Sergei Tsikhanovsky, the guy who was um, recording video about the life of Belarusians, when they put him in custody and his wife, when uh, Tsikhanovsky was arrested, she said, okay, if my husband is in jail, then I will apply documents on his behalf. And she applied and she became the candidate. She is candidate by accident. And what is her name? Her name is Svetlana Tikhanovskaya. Svetlana Tikhanovskaya. She is housewife, English language uh, teacher by training. Uh, never interested, involved in politics, absolutely new person in Belarus social life. She became the symbol and also the ambassador of those who are in prison. Everything is destroying step by step, very slowly, but destroying while our government, while people who are in the power, they are becoming richer, richer, richer and richer, yes. And after other candidates were not registered or put in jail, they decided to, to, to choose her as the unified opposition candidate. And this is how she became this hero for many Belarusians going to the streets nowadays. I'm sure that this year will be different than in this year, in a couple of days, uh, our Central Commission will count properly because they see uh, the mood of people. How unorthodox is it for a woman to run as the sort of savior of Belarus? Absolutely unique. Uh, there are many, many people saying about importance of involving uh, females in politics, but no one really trusted women to lead. And this really made campaign so powerful and so uh, beautiful. Uh, Tsikhanovskaya surrounded herself with another wife of imprisoned uh, candidate and the um, uh, chairman of uh, Viktor Babarika. This female trio, we call them, they organized massive gatherings in provinces. Thousands of people showed up, 65,000 came in Minsk. That was the biggest protest since 1990, when Belarusians gathered to protest against Soviet Union for independence. And uh, revolution by this became not only pro-democratic, it also became pro-female. I would even say female revolution. 
What was the campaign like? How did things go leading up to Sunday's election? How did Lukashenko treat his new opponent, this this leader of a female revolution in Belarus? Uh, Lukashenko doesn't believe female uh, can do politics. Uh, he always said that women must be protecting her house and raising kids and men must lead uh, the country. Yes, it was pretty popular opinion in 90s when Lukashenko came to power. But Lukashenko didn't realize that now it's 2020, it's different time. <laughs> and this patriarchal, you know, conservative uh, uh, views are not popular anymore. Okay, so how, how did the election go on Sunday? On Sunday morning, we found out that 43% already voted. Sorry? On Sunday, those who didn't vote early, they came and they found that uh, many of them voted already. What? Can you just imagine how observers shocked were shocked? But when observers began to raise uh, the concerns and asking well, what's going on, why, why it happened, police arrested observers. This is Belarus democracy. And what do things look like by Sunday night? Many people didn't manage to vote. Commissions were closed earlier. And uh, people uh, were waiting near the station, upset. The, w- the only thing they, they, they get, they got, there was the final protocol. Showed Lukashenko with more than 80% of votes. So basically what we have here is by Sunday night, you've got election observers being arrested throughout the country. You have people showing up to vote and finding out that they have already voted somehow. So Mm. you've got widespread election fraud. And then in an election Mm. that you thought was going to be seriously contested, you've got an 80% landslide Mm. victory for Lukashenko. And that was the spark for the protest on the first day. In Belarus, an election turned violent almost as soon as the polling stations closed. Security forces used tear gas, stun grenades and rubber bullets after crowds poured onto the streets in protest. On Sunday night, all these people who were gathering in Minsk, they uh, came there because of the exit poll results. You know, you're cheating us. What happened on Monday? More people showed up, but all the downtown now on Monday was closed, was blocked. Soldiers were very aggressive this time. Uh, The special operation group of Belarusian KGB took the guns and began shooting. Rubber bullets, right? Yeah. And the people they shot were journalists. And uh, friends of mine were uh, wounded, injured, they're still in hospital. Some of them disappeared after this. Authorities didn't want anyone to know what's happening. And new people were joining and you were joining. So it it was like um, police were not able to, to do anything with them. They were not able to arrest everyone. Protests on Monday lasted the whole night, and in some cities they continued um, even Tuesday morning. We knew that hundreds are wounded, and we also knew that Tsikhanovska is not in Minsk already. Tsikhanovska, uh, presidential candidate, she left, uh, she fled Belarus for, for Vilnius, Lithuania, which is nearby, it's three hours drive. 
She uh, read uh, the statement from the paper. I made a very difficult decision for myself, and I've made it absolutely independently. Uh, the state TV channels and propaganda showed the video where Tikhanovskaya says that many will understand me, many will denounce me, and many will hate me. But God forbid anyone should face the choice that I faced. Hmm. Of course, she was speaking like a hostage, and the text was not written by her for sure. The only question is what uh, she was shown. My personal feeling is that um, she was shown perhaps the tortures over her husband in prison. Perhaps she was uh, offered the choice or the people will be shot and killed or she will uh, flee. But uh, she, she made the choice to leave. I think um, she was blackmailed with something we don't know. And perhaps she will never tell us this. That's that's very standard KGB tactic, you know, to 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 give you two unacceptable choices. More with Frenak after the break. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood. Affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit plannedparenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. Frenak, what, what do people who aren't terribly familiar with Belarus need to know to really understand everything that's going on there right now? First of all, um, Belarus is a strategically important country in the center of Europe. It was the epicentrum of uh, most violent, brutal, deadly battles uh, during the Stalin repressions and, um, and uh, Hitler repressions as well. This is the country where the West and the East uh, are meeting and clashing. In the Middle Ages, it was the biggest European empire called uh, Grand Duchy of Lithuania. But Belarus was divided between Poland and Soviets in the 20th century. Belarus has its uh, fantastic, unique culture. It's uh, half uh, Baltic, half Slavic. In the Soviet time, it was Russified and Sovietized. Basically, Soviets and Russians took out our identity. 
and made us uh, similar to Russian. But later, we, after 90s, after we got independence, we, we revived identity and we don't belong to Russian civilizations. And even if you travel, you can see the city on Belarus side and on Russian side. This is where the border between Europe and Asia lays. So tell me, how long does Belarus have its independence before Lukashenko comes to power? Uh, the fact that it was three years only. Three years of very tough time for Belarus economy. People were poor and uh, they were looking for someone who will save them. And Lukashenko, he said, I know the problem. It's because this capitalist, this rich guy, they took all your money. I will give you the old back. And he renationalized all the companies. He built basically uh, socialism again. He deprived people of possibility of having private property. And after he came to power next year, he dismissed the parliament and he gave president the unlimited uh, power. The next year after he was elected, he conducted a referendum, which was rigged as well. And this uh, referendum uh, made Belarus presidential republic instead of parliamentary republic. And the first uh, decision of Lukashenko after this referendum was to dismiss parliament. And since then, he's the only one who can decide on everything. But does he ever have popular support or is he always sort of a repressive dictator? He was popular because of propaganda primarily, because he um, put all the opponents in jail, journalists in jail, you know. I was in jail four times during Lukashenko's uh, era. Wow, I understand why you left this time. Yes, How important is the relationship between Belarus and Russia over the past 26 years, over the course of Lukashenko's reign? Lukashenko dreamt um, of uh, becoming the president of Russia. Hmm. He came to power uh, with the idea of creating a union state with Russia. He was extremely popular there. And uh, in 1996, he declared the union with Russia, with Yeltsin. And he hoped that Yeltsin will call him the follower, the the continuator, not Putin. But Yeltsin chose Putin instead of Lukashenko, which which made him frustrated. Uh, and this is also the reason why Putin and Lukashenko has such um, difficult relationship. What's the relationship like between Putin and Lukashenko? On one hand, they hate each other. On the other hand, they're symbiotic. Hmm. And how did that work in this latest election? Putin was among the first who congratulated Lukashenko on the victory. Putin needs Lukashenko and he doesn't want any revolution in Belarus. If revolution will happen in Belarus, pro-Western revolution as we see right now, then other regions in Russia will also rise. Hmm. So despite the sort of contentious relationship between Putin and Lukashenko, Putin supports him because at least... He's obedient? He is obedient, exactly. And he, he's predictable. They know each other. They, they exist thanks to each other. You know, they, they're symbiotic organisms. So what does that mean for the next weeks and months? Was this election a total failure or did something significant and, you know, lasting transpire? For me, there is no uh, doubt that this is the end of Lukashenko's regime, but it can take weeks, months and years. There are many variables, many factors, international reaction, the position of uh, army and military, the elites, 
Um, if uh, Lukashenko will continue keeping situation under control and killing people on the streets, that can suppress, but also that can spark new protests and new revolts. Uh, perhaps the revolution will, will happen not in Minsk, but in regions. We don't know. But it's definitely Lukashenko will never get back to the previous situation. It will never be as it was before. You know, the red line is crossed. The issue is how to avoid more victims and how to facilitate and catalyze and uh, speed up this process of uh, power transit. Do you have any idea when you might be able to return to Belarus? That's a good question. I don't know. Everything is so unpredictable, so unclear, and uh, it's, it's, it's difficult to see. Well, I appreciate your time, and I wish you all the best, and uh, I hope we can be in touch as this movement plays out and maybe the, the reign of Lukashenko comes to an end. I hope so, too. Thank you so much. Trinak Viakora is a journalist who's usually based in Minsk, Belarus. This is Today Explained. <laughs>